Here are a couple of interesting tweets from known sheepdogs. But I have to admit, Robert Reich, it looks like you're promoting some sort of force the vote here. Robert tweets, Other Senate Dems may not like it, but as chair of the Senate Budget Committee, Bernie Sanders can force votes on Medicare for All and cuts to the military budget. Hope he does. Shitlib Jim Saunders comes back with, I hope that he doesn't go rogue here. He's the chair because a party he refuses to join gave it to him. That says a lot right there. I think that these are important issues, but let's use them to unite the party, not split it. We can't continue to let perfect be the enemy of good, as has been our sad tradition. The sad tradition is controlled opposition shit liberty like Jim Saunders. So Jimmy Dore, inquiring minds want to know, are we going to have a force the vote campaign for Bernie? If Bernie can force the vote on Medicare for all, we should put pressure on him, right? Otherwise, we'd have to assume that Bernie is aggressive enough to do it without pressure. I think this Politico writer put aggressive in air quotes for a reason. Aggressive Bernie Sanders on his big plans as budget chair. Aggressive. This is by Caitlin Emma, and I have to say it seems as though her tongue is in her cheek. Here's an interesting question. You're a staunch supporter of Medicare for All. Do you envision reconciliation being used for a massive expansion of health care? What might that look like? And Bernie says, well, look, <laughs> well, look, the deep state had a better grip on my balls than I realized. That's called subtext. Well, look, I am a very strong advocate of Medicare for all. I introduced legislation in the Senate. How'd that go for you? It went about as well as Pramila Jayapal's legislation went in the House. Unless someone's willing to force a vote, it's not going to do much. Back to Bernie. I think at the end of the day, if we ever get to the end of that day, it'll be a miracle. The American people understand that our current healthcare system is so dysfunctional, so cruel, so wasteful, so expensive that we need to do what every other major country on earth does and get healthcare to all people. Okay, that sounds good, but the next sentence doesn't sound very good. What we will be doing, as opposed to what we will be saying, what we will be doing is working within the context of what Biden wants. Biden said he would veto any such bill. What good is your fucking legislation when you're going to be doing what Biden wants? So back to Robert's hope he does. I have to say, Robert, it's a long shot. I don't hold out any more hope for Bernie forcing a vote than I did for AOC, but... Here's hoping. And if we do put pressure on Bernie and he caves, then we can't keep pretending that Bernie is a true progressive. Putting pressure on our favorite Congress people is good for everyone. We've been led by controlled opposition for far too long. We've been herded into the sheep pens by very skillful sheepdogs, and we need to figure it out. Now on to the meat and potatoes. Glenn Greenwald tweets, Edward Snowden is still freer than all those celebrating his lack of pardon because, unlike them, he gets to put his head on his pillow every night knowing that when faced with the choice of serving power for careerism or risking his liberty to expose it, he chose the latter. It will also be just a matter of time before Julian Assange, having dealt the U.S. security state a rare and humiliating loss, will have his freedom and will be back doing what he spent the last 15 years doing, exposing criminality and corruption by the world's most powerful. 
I still remember Hillary joking that she wondered if we could drone strike Julian Assange. I would love to see her face in person on the day she receives the news that Julian Assange has been freed. Here's a piece by Kevin Gostela. No pardons for Edward Snowden or Julian Assange. According to a CNN report, Trump submitted to Republican national security hawks and abandoned clemency for the NSA whistleblower and the WikiLeaks founder. It's interesting that Kevin says Republican national security hawks, who in Congress, including the squad and Bernie, are not national security hawks. Although several long-shot campaigns were mounted, President Donald Trump did not pardon any whistleblowers who were indicted or prosecuted under the United States Espionage Act. He also declined to pardon the only journalist ever to be indicted under the World War I-era law. WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange and NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden were not offered clemency because Trump did not want to anger Senate Republicans who will soon determine whether he's convicted during his Senate trial. This is according to CNN. Multiple GOP lawmakers had sent messages through aides that they felt strongly about not granting clemency to Assange or Snowden. NSA whistleblower Reality Winner, who was the first to be prosecuted under the Espionage Act under Trump, and former CIA officer John Kiriakou pursued pardons. They were effectively denied as well. On January 17th, the New York Times reported that an associate of Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani told Kiriakou a pardon would cost him $2 million. I laughed. Two million bucks? Are you out of your mind? Kiriakou told the Times. Even if I had two million bucks, I wouldn't spend it to recover a $700,000 pension. The report exposed a sliver of the corruption around pardons in the final days of the Trump presidency as several people with connections to Trump apparently accepted large sums of money in return for clemency. Kiriakou said Trump was not the only president in history to encourage this kind of behavior. Certainly Bill Clinton did at the end of his administration as well, but this just highlights how the pardon process in the United States is broken. I'd never heard that about Bill Clinton. Throughout the past three months, prominent supporters of Assange, like Pamela Anderson and Glenn Greenwald, were frequent guests on Fox News during primetime in order to communicate the case for a pardon directly to Trump. Jimmy Dore was also on. A few Republicans in Congress, like Senator Rand Paul and Representative Matt Goetz, crafted a partisan pitch for pardoning Snowden that went something like Democratic allies, such as former Director of National Intelligence James Clapper, persecuted him. I have to say, that sentence seemed to be missing something, but I couldn't figure out what, so I just read it as it was. He revealed that James Clapper, the highest-ranking, most powerful spy in the world, was spying on Americans and lied to us about it, Paul declared. So I think what Snowden did was a service to the American people, and he ought to be pardoned. But Snowden did not have millions of dollars to pay off Trump, nor was he ever going to do Trump any political favors. Snowden responded, Reports that Trump has let himself be bullied out of pardoning Assange, mistakenly believing Senate Republicans won't vote to impeach him if he caves. Once he's out of power, they're going to vote to impeach him anyway, which, well, that's one way to be remembered. Trump will either be remembered as the first president since JFK, who from his first to last day in office was hated by the NSA, CIA, and FBI, or as the one who caved to pressure at the very last moment, Snowden further suggested. He constantly bashed the deep state during his campaign and presidency, but whenever he needed to challenge national security institutions and stand up to their apparatchiks in the Republican Party, he showed there was nothing behind it. 
The rhetoric ended up not really serving anybody, Kiriakou contended. Which is not to say the pardon campaigns by Assange, Snowden, Winner, Kiriakou, and others were a waste of time. Nobody would have predicted President Barack Obama would commute U.S. Army whistleblower Chelsea Manning's sentence in 2017 during the final days of his administration. Assange, who was indicted under Trump, will remain in Belmarsh, a high-security prison in London where COVID-19 has recently spread through his unit. The Biden Justice Department is expected to pursue an appeal of a British court's decision to deny the U.S. government's extradition request against Assange. With a newborn, Snowden and his wife, Lindsay Mills, will remain in Moscow. They will live in exile at least until Snowden can return and defend his whistleblowing acts in a courtroom in the Eastern District of Virginia. Significant reform is necessary for that to happen. Winner will be able to leave Federal Medical Center Carswell and go to a halfway house as early as November 2021. However, she also must worry about COVID-19 outbreaks at Carswell. Because Kiriakou completed his sentence several years ago, his circumstances are far less dire, but he still would like to reclaim his pension. In the end, at the end of the day, a president who built up a brand of standing up to the so-called swamp did not want to take any heat for pardoning individuals loathed by the very establishment that despises him. He was spineless, he is spineless, and weak. Trump risked a scandal over pardons for his son-in-law or any one of his cronies. He was not willing to take the same risk for Assange, Snowden, or Kiriakou. No president wants to really be involved in a controversy. Donald Trump was no different. Kiriakou concluded. Now we turn to Caitlin Johnstone. Journalists who smear Assange are pure scum. The caption under the photo of James Ball reads, James Ball, pure scum. Here's a shout out to Victor Tiffany who reminds me that name calling isn't always effective, but I'm not sure. I kind of think the way George Carlin does. I think calling people what they actually are does have some tactical effect. Just look at that guy. Obviously, pure scum. I wouldn't have thought that any mass media reporters would have the temerity to continue the public smear campaign against WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange after it became clear to everyone that he was the subject of a brutal Trump administration prosecution aimed at criminalizing inconvenient journalism. But if there was going to be anyone to take up that flag, it would be the odious James Ball. Ball, who as activist Susie Dawson documented in 2016, has been working within the plutocratic media to destroy Assange's reputation for years, has just published yet another disgusting smear piece titled, Julian Assange is no hero. I should know. I lived with him and his awful gang, this time with Murdoch's Sunday Times. Claiming that Assange is reckless and immoral in deed and word, Ball spins the tortured journalist as a monster who must remain marginalized and never be trusted by sources again. This would be the same James Ball who, as Financial Eyes recently observed, admits to having taken money from the Integrity Initiative. Wow, that's a good name for it a government and NATO-funded propaganda unit designed to shape opinion in a direction hostile towards Russia and favorable towards increased militarism. How's that for integrity? 
This would also be the same James Ball who, a year before Assange was dragged out of the Ecuadorian embassy in which he'd taken political asylum fearing U.S. extradition, authored a Guardian article titled, The Only Barrier to Julian Assange Leaving Ecuador's Embassy is Pride, and subtitled, The WikiLeaks Founder is Unlikely to Face Prosecution in the U.S., Charges in Sweden Have Been Dropped, and For the Embassy, He's Lost His Value as an Icon. There is no public criminal case against Assange or WikiLeaks in the U.S., Ball argues in his January 2018 article, claiming there is no real reason to believe anything has changed with Assange's situation in the U.S. Well, something has indeed changed in the U.S. Assange was being spied on by U.S. intelligence with Trump mega-donor Sheldon Adelson acting as a liaison between the CIA and a private intelligence corporation, and in December 2017, the Trump administration had ordered Assange's arrest and begun orchestrating an international plot to enact it after the CIA director branded WikiLeaks a non-state hostile intelligence service. If I had written an article in a major publication claiming there was no real reason to believe Assange would face extradition proceedings if he left the Ecuadorian embassy, and then that claim had proved horrifyingly wrong, I personally would have done what any normal person would do and shut the entire fuck up about Julian Assange for the rest of my life. Not James Ball, though. There's a certain type of personality that guarantees it will always fail upward because it possesses a remarkable combination of power-worshipping obsequiousness, a total lack of shame, and a complete lack of scruples. It's the same type of personality that still gets lucrative punditry work after pushing for the Iraq invasion. James Ball has no more business opining about Julian Assange than John Bolton has about the merits of interventionist foreign policy, Yet both remain visible and vocal because they are the same kind of creature. I'm pretty good with words, but I've never succeeded in finding any which adequately articulate the absolute depravity of the mass media smearmeisters who've spent years getting paid to churn out deceitful hit pieces about Assange while he's silenced and unable to defend himself. There's simply no one lower. There's shit. There's shit that would come out of shit if shit could shit. And then there's people like James Ball. I think George Carlin would have enjoyed that one. I've worked a lot to debunk this smear campaign and it sucked because I know for a fact that Assange could have done an infinitely better job of it than I can if he still had internet access. He knows all the facts about his work inside and out and could have knocked out the smears as they came. But that was the whole idea. That's why they silenced him long before they dragged him out of the embassy. The Empire needed the public to consent to his persecution and he was running interference on their consent manufacturing campaign. And now they kick him while he's down, continuing to stomp his reputation into the ground even as he's being unjustly locked in Belmarsh after a judge already blocked his extradition. The torture and brutalization of Julian Assange has only been made possible by the fact that the public consents to it. Ding, ding, ding! And the public only consents to it because of a concerted mass media smear campaign that took place between late 2016 and his arrest in April 2019. People like James Ball are directly responsible for the Empire's ability to make an example of what happens to a journalist who exposes U.S. war crimes, and they must never be forgiven for it.